All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, this is the eighth episode of the Kingdom series. And uh, if you're new here, I encourage you to go back about seven episodes. Um, the first episode is titled, There is a King Inside of the Kingdom. I encourage you to go back there. But uh, if you're following along, uh, this is the eighth episode. And we are talking about this one point, And that is, his kingdom is the realm where his will shall be done so in you know in the book of exodus we get the a glimpse of you know god's activity inside of the nation of israel who are enslaved uh to egypt uh inside of their empire in inside of their world and god hears the the cries uh of his children in in desiring to be free and released uh, from their captivity and from their bondage. So he shows up uh, through Moses and demonstrates uh, his power and releasing them uh, from, from that kingdom. Now, they, they step out and they leave. And they leave this old life uh, behind them. And they begin to step out into the new life. And uh, they spend, uh, uh, they get into the wilderness and they go up to the promised land and they send in spies to spy out the promised land and only two come back with the positive report. The rest came back with the very negative report. And the ones that gave uh, the positive report were Joshua and uh, Caleb, every, all the other spies uh, said that there are giants in the land. Uh, we are like grasshoppers. And basically, they are going to uh, smash us like a bug, right? So follow along with me here that they, they cry out in anguish because of the bondage that they are experiencing. And God comes through for them and delivers them and is going to take them into this, this promised land of fulfillment and um, they are just not willing to carry out um, the will of God. So God's will for them was to immediately after leaving Egypt and going through the wilderness portion and coming to the promised land, God's will for them was that they, they go in and that they possess the land. And uh, they just simply... Uh, would not uh, uh, listen to the messengers that gave the good report and they wouldn't listen to uh, Moses um, in what uh, Moses was telling them to do. So inside of this reality, we, we see something, you know, very important. And that is, though, even though God has, um, you know, intentions, he has a purpose and he has a will, um, mankind, because of choice and because of freedom, has the ability to kind of resist that will and, and, and not actually carry it out. And so in Psalm 74, 81, we get a glimpse into this, that this, uh, the children of Israel, they turned back, they tempted God, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. And so in that context, we see that God couldn't fully do what he wanted to do inside of their lives, and that they, they, they turned back and they didn't experience the reality of what God wanted to do. 
And as we know through the story, they spent uh, 40 years in the wilderness as the the uh, disobedient generation died off and the new ge- generation rose up. And then they were able to go in and possess the land. But what the, the context that I want to bring out in this is a, uh, is a part of the, the kingdom of God and carry out his will that uh, God was limited in the fashion by their uh, lack of faith and their lack of response of him and that he couldn't uh, he couldn't do what he wanted to do inside of their lives because uh, they limited him. Now, we th- when we think about God being like limitless, right? And we know when you study the attributes of God that he is he is self-existent and uh, he doesn't uh, uh, he's all powerful and all these different things. But when it comes to the the context of his creation, uh, God has decided to limit himself in a certain uh, boundaries in the sense of that if you want um, his will to be carried out inside of your life, then you're going to have to yield to the process and you're going to going to have to respond to that. So in that sense, uh, God has put upon himself a self-imposed limitation that comes within the boundaries of his character of who he is. And so that being said, uh, the choice of people come into play when we consider the activity of God inside of their lives. I'm going to share with you a couple more uh, verses just to concrete this reality because this is the foundation of what I'm going to be uh, talking about today. So in Matthew 13, 57. Um, it says that uh, the people of his hometown, that they were all offended by him. But Jesus said unto them, a prophet is not uh, without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. Okay, so inside of this situation, he's going into his hometown and beginning to preach the gospel of the kingdom. And everybody who uh, knew him, uh, begin to criticize, they begin to find fault, they begin to say, isn't this, um, you know, the son of Mary, or isn't this the, the carpenter, isn't this whatever? And so he, st- he says this statement that, uh, you know, a prophet is without honor in his own uh, household and in his own country. And then it says this powerful statement that he could not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. So we see that, you know, the supernatural power of God that that rested upon Christ and he went about doing good and he was filled with the Holy Spirit and and he began to uh, drive out the deeds of darkness and begin to heal and all of these different things that he goes into his hometown and that that power is limited in a in a capacity because of their uh, because of their own hearts and because of the unbelief that they carried inside of their life. So once again, this points out another example of how uh, God's will and what he wants to do is limited uh, by the people's own unbelief and own response. They they limited what uh, Christ could do inside of that city. If you're not convinced yet, I got one more, and that is Matthew 23, 37. Now, Jesus is, uh, um, you know, he he's overlooking uh, the temple. He's overlooking Jerusalem. 
He just gave, uh, you know, in Matthew 23, one of the, the harshest uh, messages ever delivered and uh, attacking all the religiosity and all the hypocrisy and everything that was going on there. And he says this, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those that are sent to you. How often would I have gathered thy children together as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings? So I see him, you know, on this overlooking Jerusalem and seeing all of this and knowing what was going to take place some 30 years later, 35 years later in the destruction of the city and their temple and the other devastation that was going to uh, come upon them. And he was there uh, present and longed for and desired to gather the people like a mother hen gathers under their wings. But then it says this statement, and you would not, which translates that they just weren't willing. And so one thing we got to understand about the, the, the will of God and the kingdom of God is that God has a will. Uh, he has desires. He has something that he wants for your life. Now, just because God wills it and God wants it, that's only one part of the equation. And it's not going to happen unless it gets our participation that we must begin to do uh, our side in the equation and begin to uh, participate in his will and what he wants to do with our life. And so we have the um, we have this concept of grace. That is the the love of God, the favor of God, the 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 spirit that that draws men uh, to repentance and all of this stuff. And and that's in that's an act of grace. And that is God's part inside of the equation. But we uh, come into the concept of by faith. And that is that God has done something universally. Like he, he has died for the sins of the world, the, the Bible says, in that he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So this grace has made available for, uh, for everybody. Now, just because uh, the grace has happened doesn't mean that everybody's participating in it. And so what that means is that God wills uh, for it to happen, but we must come uh, with our response. And that once again is the trust and reliance. You know, God wanted these people to go in and obtain the promised land and they refused and they were not willing. God wanted to bring healing to his own hometown, but the people were cynical and critical and their unbelief hindered what God wanted to do inside of that city. And we see Jerusalem who didn't receive their Messiah and killed the prophets and, and God wanted to gather them together like a mother hen uh, gathers uh, uh, her chicks. And the statement is that you would not or that you were not willing. Here's the way that God works. And that he will force himself upon no one. Now think about this, that God being all powerful, uh, he has the ability um, to force 
everybody into compliance. Like that's how great his power is that we can instantly be forced into compliance uh, with him. But that's not what he's looking for. He's looking for a response. And so often, you know, religiosity gives this idea of God that he is going to uh, force his will upon other people with no uh, a submission or yieldingness or response to their own. And and Jesus said that the kingdom does not operate that way. The kingdom operates in a different fashion uh, than that sort of mindset. So the scripture that I want to give to you is this, is that Jesus uh, taught about the kingdom. And he said uh, uh, inside of the prayer that our father who uh, who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So I want you to uh, grab a hold of this as a kingdom principle, because once you begin to understand it, then you begin to understand that yieldedness and submission is required. That we, we have come and we should pray for his kingdom to come and for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we know this, that inside of heavens, uh, the will of God is manifested and that we are to pray or to come in alignment with that will to bring uh, what is taking place on heaven to bring it upon earth. Now listen to this when you say it back to God, your name is holy Lord. And I pray for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Now, when I hear that, I think of uh, uh, God, I pray that your kingdom would happen uh, inside of my heart and that your will would be done inside of my heart and that God, I pray that your kingdom would come inside of my, my household and that your will would be done inside of my house. And then we take that a, a bit further and say, God, I pray that your kingdom would come inside of, uh, uh, of my city and that your will would be done inside. So we see the the expandedness of the kingdom that it starts with your heart and that it goes from there. Now listen to uh, uh, God say it to you. I am your father who dwells in heaven and my name is holy. Pray that my kingdom will come and that my will will be done. Man, that is a powerful reality. I want to give you uh, two different uh, translations that bring out something uh, very powerful uh, in this verse. And the YLT translation says this, thy reign come, thy will come to pass as in heaven, also on the earth. And this translation, man, this is really, really good. Uh, CEV translation. So Jesus told them, pray in this way. Father, help us to honor your name and come set up your kingdom on earth like it is done in 
heaven. Man, what a powerful, powerful reality. Let's break down these words before we go any further so we can uh, get the whole gist of, uh, of this context and of this verse. So two words, your will and be done. Okay. So the will is the purpose, the desire, and the decree. And the done part is to execute and to perform. That is to carry out. So purpose is something that you set of, uh, of an ob objective to be tain, obtained, right? And that we're saying that his kingdom is the purpose and his kingdom is the objective. And that we are going to begin to desire, want, and crave for that uh, kingdom to come first inside of our hearts, inside of our lives, and then to expand from there. And that his will uh, would be done in the same manner that it is executed inside of heaven. All right. So let's look at the passages that support this, this concept. Matthew 26, 39 says, Oh, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. So this is a scripture of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he's going through this great uh, turmoil and this anguish of the soul, and that he knows what is coming up, and he knows that the pain that he's going to endure. And he begins to say this prayer that nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And so in this, he's, he's expressing the, the ultimate uh, fruit of the kingdom upon this earth. And that is that when wheels are in conflict, and I'm talking about when God wants something and when we want something, or he wills something to be, and we will something to be. So in that context, the uh, Jesus had a, a battle of wheels, if you will. And that he was looking at the thing that he, he had to endure. And he said, you know, you know, as far as me in my body, I would like to just totally bypass the situation. And I, you know, I'd much rather prefer uh, uh, maybe comfort. Um, but the ultimate conclusion was nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And that is the, the principle of the kingdom that I'm talking about, that we would be agents to carry out the will of the Father upon this earth. John 5.30 says this, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father that sent me. So in here, we see the ultimate example of what submission and what obedience looks like inside of the king. And he, and he sets the path and he sets the way and um, that his, his uh, mission was to do the will of the father upon this earth. And lastly, another passage that supports is first John two seventeen, the world. It passes away and the lust thereof, but he that is selfish and does his own will will live forever. No, it doesn't say that, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the passage. It says, but he that does the will of God shall abide forever. Once again, his will, what he wants, his desire, his kingdom 
is in the the context of these statements. So what does that say about God? Uh, First off, if we're told to pray uh, that his kingdom come and that his will be done, that uh, we are talking about um, being carriers of that will and manifesting his will upon earth. And there's many things that happen inside of this world. Some of them are the will of God. Some of them are the will of man. And some of them are straight out from the pit, the will of evil. And so we have these two, we have these conflicting wheels. We have Jesus Christ who came to give life and life more abundantly. And that he's come to bring that life. And then we have on the other side, the the will of evil that comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so we see these opposing wills. And then us inside of this, we get to decide which kingdom that we're going to partake of. We get to decide which tree we're going to eat of, right? And so we decide uh, what is going to be carried out inside of our own lives. And that is, are we going to begin to manifest his kingdom on earth or not? So God wants the kingdom that is inside of heaven to invade the earth. And the ultimate manifestation of that is the king coming back and setting up his throne and ruling upon this earth and we shall rule and reign with him. That is the ultimate uh, conclusion of heaven invading earth. But in the context of where we are now, that his kingdom is here now and that it is it is among us and it is within us and that it is spreading forward to a full manifestation of that kingdom upon that earth on earth but right now he wants uh, heaven to begin to invade our heart in heaven uh, the will of god takes place in heaven he rules and he reigns you know many people have this concept of of heaven um that uh, they see like Satan and evil still having access to heaven and all these different things that we don't understand that the angels that chose to rebel through the death of Christ, uh, Christ said he's seen uh, Lucifer fall like uh, lightning from the sky and understanding that the, the death of Christ closed off any form of evil into the heavenlies and that it has been uh, 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 perfectness and it, it, God's will is carried out inside of that realm. And so when we pray, we are to pray that that kingdom begin to invade earth. And it starts by asking that that kingdom can invade my heart and let my heart be a place where God dwells. Let my heart be a place where his will is done and that his will gets carried out and that sense of heaven comes inside of me. And so what we understand from this is that the reign of God is expanding its territory. And like I said, the ultimate conclusion of this kingdoms of this world shall be the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and his territory will be expanded. All right. So another thing that this says about God is that he requires alignment. There's many things that happen 
that are not the will of God and that we can get ourselves into alignment and we can be instruments that's used by him and alignment is key to experiencing the realm of the king that is getting my heart to begin to want what he wants it's begin it's getting my heart to be the throne on which he uh reigns and which he occupies and it's getting my heart to align myself with uh, his kingdom come and his will be done and what that means is that oftentimes i face things that um that wheels come in conflict and so one of the main principles of the kingdom is that when wheels come in conflict and that my will begins to contradict or to override the will of the king, that I am the one that begins to uh, set down or to lay aside what I want and that I begin to get in alignment with what he wants and that I allow his desires to begin to consume my experience. So what is the will of God? Let's talk about his will for a moment because we know that uh, his will uh, is a priority. What God wants will in the end begin to manifest, but that doesn't mean that you'll experience the reality of it unless you begin to yield and respond to his process, right? Uh, Jesus said this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. And so we see in that an exclusiveness of this main principle of the king, and that is to allow his will to be done inside of my life, and that I execute, perform, and carry out his will. First Thessalonians 4.3 said, this is the will of God. I love it when the Bible just tells us plain out, you know, that we don't have to search very deep for this. Uh, this is giving you the will of God uh, straight up front in your face. Here it is. This is the will of God. Even your sanctification that you should abstain from fornication. So we are going to unpack this for a moment because this gives us um, what God wants. You know, when we think about... Um, you know, what does God want from me? What does God expect from me? You know, do justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. And so he begins to uh, tell us exactly what it is that uh, he is looking for and what he wants for our life. And the first thing he mentions is that of sanctification. Now, this is a big word that, uh, uh, you know, can be, uh, we could talk about it for hours, but I'm going to give you the gist of it. And that is that you have uh, decided to, come inside of the uh, to enter the kingdom and that you've decided that you were going to uh, confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and that you have believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and that you decided that you were going to turn to him and that you were you were going to uh, place your confidence and trust in his in in who he is and what he's done for you, and that you were going to begin to manifest actions and behaviors that begin to demonstrate that faith, that you have now engaged in a process of sanctification, and that is that God has begun to uh, he's going to complete you. And he's going to make you what you ought to be. And the first initial decision puts us on the potter's wheel. 
And then we continue to make that decision of submitting to his uh, uh, lordship and submitting to his word and submitting to his influence and his spirit inside of our life. And he begins to mold us and he begins to shape us. And that is the process that God wants you to engage in. This is the will of God, your sanctification, your uh, process of completeness that you have decided to go through. That's the will of God. And then he goes into uh, also that you should abstain from fornication. Now, in the book of Acts, you know, there was a debate about whether uh, the law of Moses should be upheld in circumcision and all these different things, whether Jewish customs should proceed uh, to the Gentiles and all that stuff. And basically what the what the conclusion was is that um, that the Gentiles should keep themselves from idols you know, from things strangled and from blood and, and stuff like that. So uh, to keep themselves from idols and to um, to abstain from fornication. And I believe there was one other thing that's slipping my mind right now. But we see inside of that context that the will of God was for them to uh, to worship the Lord God and him only shall you serve. Right. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. That was the first one. And then the other one is even connected to idolatry in the form of uh, fornication. What does this word mean? It's been pushed upon us that it means something that it really doesn't. So in the context of this, it's a, it's a pornania or, or, or uh, has to do with uh, pornography. And that is attached to it, the, um, the temple uh, uh, temple sex, and that comes with it, the, the sense of um, orgies and, and everything that was uh, given up to, to the sex goddess Eros and Aphrodite and all the different sex goddesses out there, that we were going to withdraw and we were not going to participate in sight of that which also includes a sense of adultery. It also uh, 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 includes a harlotry, and that is uh, pain for sex. So all of this time, you know, uh, people say you just need to uh, avoid fornication. That word has never actually been defined, and we never understood the full ramifications of what that word means. And so this is the will of God that you ab abstain from anything that has to do with with the the goddess of sex and the the sex trade and pornography and anything that pays uh, uh, for sex inside of that. So that whole system was going to be forsaken and abandoned. And so the Gentiles needed to know that, man, because they were, you know, they were knee deep in this stuff, uh, sacrificing and worshiping idols. And they were wholeheartedly into this, you know, these sex cults and the things that were that were taking place. And so uh, in that context, it's the whole enchilada that is connected with uh, with the whole uh, sex goddess in the sex trade. And so this is the will of God that you should abstain from all of those kind of practices. Right. And so this is why Paul in his letters, when he found out that there was, you know, uh, immorality inside the church, he confronted them and said, you know, inside of the kingdom, 
Uh, there shouldn't be a hint of this kind of thing going on. Um, he preached that they should repent and that they should turn to God and that their actions and behavior should demonstrate that repentance. And what that meant was they were giving up their, their sex goddess idols and they were uh, abstaining uh, from that and that they have walked away from that. This is why he was able to confront them uh, with this message because they had that expectation that this was part of the will of God for your life. And lastly, uh, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.8, it says this, In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. So in here, once again, not only do we have sanctification and abstain from the whole uh, sex trade and pornography and everything that's connected to that, uh, and also to have a heart that is, um, that is grateful. Now, when we think about the will of God, we, we don't think uh, a lot of times of a heart that is infused with gratitude. And what we fail to understand is that gratitude is the motivating factor uh, inside of our behavior. Now, there's, uh, there's two different uh, modes of operations that you can get uh, somebody to conform. Uh, you can get them to conform out of fear. And that is that they're, they're scared of the consequences or they fear what you might do to them. And God sees that motivation as not a very proper motivation. And so he established a new covenant that's based upon his death, burial, and resurrection. Invite you into the kingdom to give you this gift of eternal life and to have all of your past and your traumas and your sins and everything that you've done washed away clean and that you are forgiven and that you're given a new uh, place inside of a new kingdom. And the only thing that could develop from that is, uh, thank you, Lord. And it wells in us a sense of gratitude that begins to uh, transform our conduct and our behavior. And it's a far better motivation than that of fear. So what does that say about us? Uh, we must let things happen. We must let it happen. You know, the Bible says to open the, king, open the door and let, let the king of glory come in. And so what I want to break down to you is this human responsibility in the kingdom invading earth that I put myself into alignment with that kingdom and that I begin to respond in faith and that I actually let the kingdom invade my heart, that I allow it and permit it to happen. See, God wants our light to shine, right? He says, let your light shine. And that word let means that it is your responsibility to allow and permit your light to shine. God wants your light to shine. He has put the revelation, the illumination and everything within you. You, you, you have it, but he said is your personal responsibility to let it. And so here we see that, that God Here's, here's my personal belief that God has done everything that he ever needs to do. Like he can do not a single thing from, from here on out as far as, you know, our, our, our place in the kingdom is concerned about transforming our identity, about everything that he has given us, like he's done it. And that's why he said on the cross that it is finished. The work that he came to accomplish is done. And so now whether we begin to experience the reality of what he did 
is whether we begin to see it in faith and respond to it. But he doesn't have to do anything to make it happen. All we have to do is begin to let it and allow it to uh, begin to manifest inside of our lives. Romans 13, 12, let us cast off the works of darkness. You know, God wants the works of darkness to disappear from your life. He wants you to grab a hold of his truth and all those things. But you have to allow and to permit that to take place. This is why in the book of Revelations, he's on the outside and he's knocking to get in. And he says, if you open the door to me, I'll sup with you and you with me. Right. Because we have to begin to open the door. And that is that I don't know about you, but if somebody knocks on the door and, uh, um, and it's somebody that, you know, and somebody that you love and somebody that you respect, you often begin to let them in. And so that's what begins to happen inside of our lives, inside of this kingdom, is that everything, the will of God that he begins to want to do inside of our life, our sanctification, our abstaining from uh, the pollutions and the sins of the world, and giving a heart that's gratitude, his will that wants to carry in our that I am going to permit and that I'm going to allow that to take place. If you're not convinced yet, I got more. I'm going to read through them for time's sake, but let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speak and be put away from us. Let us walk in the spirit. Let this mind be in you. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that trips us up. Let the peace of God roll into your heart. Let not your heart be troubled. And lastly, let not sin rule as a king. So inside of all of this context, there are many, many, many others. I would spend hours just dissecting each one of these. But my purpose and intention is for you to see that you are to align yourself with the king and to al allow and permit his will to be carried out inside of your life. Now, God could want you to walk in the spirit. God could want you to have his mind and his wisdom to begin to operate inside of your life. God could want like all the sins in your life not to trip you up. God could want all the peace to begin to be inside of your heart and, and it not be troubled. He can want all of that. But you are the one who is personally responsible to begin to allow and to permit that to happen. And you do that by aligning yourself with what he wants for your life and that his kingdom will come and his will will be done. All of those things will begin to happen inside of you because you begin to want what he wants inside of your life. So in that context of letting, that is to permit and allow something to happen, the same authority is pushed upon us to let not. And the main one that I want you to understand is that last one I mentioned in Romans uh, 6, 12, let not sin rule as a king. Don't allow it. Don't permit it to happen. They're like, man, you know, I'm making all of these mistakes and I'm making these decisions and these choices and, and this, that, and the other thing. And I got all this nasty fruit in my life. And it goes, and God would say, why are you causing, allowing, or permitting that to happen? 
So inside of this uh, kingdom mindset is one of uh, authority and it's one of responsibility. And that is the application of this message is that I'm going to see the will of God and that I'm going to take my responsibility to begin to choose the will of God and that I'm going to stand in my authority. And that means that I'm going to allow and permit what he wants inside of my life and that I'm not going to allow or permit what he doesn't want inside of my life and that I am the one responsible to make that decision and that this is how the kingdom of heaven begins to invade our heart and how it begins to invade our earth. Just imagine for a moment a heart that says, your will be done. And that it forsakes in all the, the, uh, the things of the world that pollute and to corrupt and says, you know what? I'm not going to allow that. I'm going to allow the King to reign inside of my heart. Just imagine what that looks like inside of a city. When people begin to unite under the same uh, mindset in the same mentality that says, I'm going to pursue the will of the king and whatever he wants in my life, that's what I want. And that I'm going to begin to align myself with him so his kingdom can invade my earth. That's the authority that we have. So what misconceptions does this uh, clear up? The number one one I think is that, uh, you know, that God um, operates independently of us. Now, I know that uh, he's sovereign and that he does things that uh, are independently of us. But he took on uh, this this mindset and this idea that we have to respond to him and that we have to choose him and we have to make this choice. And that is that his main mode of operation is to begin to operate through us. And that is that we are his body. We are the part that is upon this earth and he is the head and he is the king and he is in heaven and that this body begins to move as he directs it, that we begin to yield to him. And so that is a process of him moving through us. Now, we often think that um, we are looking for a miracle in the sense of uh, that God just does something independently of our own choices and our own decisions. And what oftentimes happens as we will sit and wait a long time, <laughs> you know, uh, we're, we're just sitting there waiting and we don't understand that our petition, uh, participation in the matter. So this bust that misconception, the other one, it bust is the sovereignty of God. And that is that if he has decided that he was going to create man and to give them a free will, then he knowingly uh, put upon himself a self-imposed uh, limitation that he wouldn't um, he wouldn't uh, cause by his all-powerfulness uh, to get people to conform, uh, even though uh, they they are not submitting to it that I'm going to give you this, whether you like it or not sort of mentality. And so that's not part of the, the sovereignty that uh, comes from God. And lastly, we see the authority of man. And we see that we need to, uh, once again, uh, get in alignment with his will 
and begin to see it, begin to understand what he wants, begin to want what he wants, and then begin to allow that to take place inside of our lives. And that's the the mode of operation inside of this kingdom that I am talking about. All right, brothers, peace.